2: This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Monday, August 29th, the Bluey Knows Best edition. I'm Zach Rosen. I make the Best Advice Show podcast. I'm the father to two. Noah is almost five, and Ami is almost two. We live in Detroit.
3: I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is nine, and we live in Los Angeles.
4: I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's 8, and Teddy, who's 5. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado.
2: Today on the show, we're going to be talking about a kid's cartoon that has amassed quite the following by kids and parents alike. That's right. We're talking about Bluey and why it's the best depiction of parenting in kids TV today. But first, we wanted to jump into the mailbag.
1: Hi, friends. I just finished the episode featuring a letter from a lady who bills herself as an awkward aunt and wanted to echo the recommendation about meeting in a park and bringing adult food. For context, my same-sex partner and I are also childless by a combination of biology and choice. Two of my closest friends from college live within 30 minutes of us and both have children, both young gentlemen who are currently three. Part of the reason I listen to this podcast is so I can be a better friend to my friends with kids. Since the fall of 2021, we've been trying to get together every month for gunkle, i.e. gay uncle, brunch. My partner and I make adult food. Lobster rolls, shakshuka, quiche, crab cakes, coronation chicken, Bloody Marys, mimosas, stuff our friends want but don't often have time to make for themselves, and meet in a local park or invite the families to our place. The boys have slowly become accustomed to us and have even started asking when we're going to do Gunkle Brunch again. I think it's nice for my friends because we can take turns corralling the kids when a mom or dad would like to sit back and have a conversation with another adult or eat some food that they didn't have to make. I think it's nice for the boys because they get to try new food, explore new parks, and play with our cat. My partner and I also serve as one of their primary examples of a gay couple and it affords their parents easy entry into conversations about different families. Finally, it's nice for me because I get to see my friends. I love watching how they have structured their lives and families and how that brings them joy. It's a win-win-win. I hope Awkward Aunt is able to initiate such a relationship with her nieces and nephews. For my part, these relationships are some of the most rewarding in my life.
2: Um, I want to go to a gungle brunch. That sounds great.
1: <laughs> me too. Me too.
2: Me we'll come to a too. gunkle brunch if you're gonna make shakshuka we'll bring a dish let us know um thank you for writing i love this and um yeah i hope i hope awkward aunt you're hearing this and that if you haven't yet this gives you just further uh courage to to initiate that relationship with with your family because we're all pretty confident they're gonna love it as much as you do thanks so much for writing and that you're listening to the show we love that That's it's huge. so cool. Yeah.
3: I'm always so surprised when I come across that, but really honored and flattered by it. But um, I think it's also, you know, something that one of my closest friends has talked about uh, who does not have children and, you know, is unlikely to have children. That like these bonds that you forge with your friends' kids are important because at some point, you know, you're going to be elders in need of, you know, late life care and support. And so, you know, it's really important to me that my daughter, you know, pours into these aunts and uncles that have looked after her her whole life in the way that they have for her when they get older, you know, that that she'll be among the people they can call on for things.
4: I want to mention, too, that when we posted on Facebook, we got a lot of other listener ideas. One that I thought was just so great was that someone suggested just sending things in the mail, like letters and cards, and that that's a way that is completely not obtrusive, but can feel like you know for kids getting something in the mail just feels magical so i thought that was a really great suggestion but there's yep. a ton of them on there so um definitely go check out the facebook group and and you know thanks everyone who who submitted other other ways to be involved that are not just let me take your kids
2: kids love getting mail and we love getting emails if you have anything you want to say to us write to us at mama dad at com. let's take a quick break and when we come back we'll be talking all about bluey
5: Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com easy
2: We are back and joined by Philip Macyak, TV editor at the Los Angeles Review of Books, teacher at Washington University in St. Louis, and the writer of a fantastic piece we all really liked in Slate called Why TV's Best Kids Show is Also Its Best Show About Parents. Welcome to the show, Phil.
0: Thanks for having me, longtime listener.
2: We are honored. You opened the piece with this funny anecdote about your six-year-old being really excited about Bluey's uh, season three release, but also... That you yourself are excited about a kids' show's new season being released. This this struck me as very unique. What what is it about Bluey that um, excites you so?
0: I mean, I I hope that it's not that unique that uh, I as a parent could be really invested in in a particular show but I have two daughters six and three and the landscape of tv that they watch a lot of it is really similar like you've got the pre-k cgi landscape uh, television shows like Daniel Tiger and Doc McStuffins and right. things like that. And those all kind of, you know, some of those are better than others, but they all kind of bleed into each other. And Maeve, the six year old, is starting to watch all of these live action Nickelodeon sitcoms from the the aughts and the teens and those yeah. all kind of blend together. So like mm-hmm. iCarly and the Haunted Hathaways and things like that. And the thing that I think is is kind of exciting about Bluey for me as someone who is sitting on the couch or walking around while they're watching these shows is that it's a really dense show. It's got a, a lot happening at all levels of the screen. I think the foreground and the background are all sort of firing at the same time. And it's almost like a felt difference in the texture of the show when they're watching Bluey versus when they're watching something else.
4: I completely agree. It is one of the like first kid shows that I... I feel like I get sucked into like I tend to <laughs> we don't watch a ton of TV but when we do it tends to be like you go watch this because I need time or like we're in the hotel that a lot of our TV consumption is is traveling it's like I just need everyone to be quiet <laughs> and I um, found myself with Bluey on like we were all ready to go to breakfast but Bluey was on and I'm now like invested in <laughs> what's happening you know like but wait we can't end this because I need to know I need to know what happens
2: for those of us who haven't seen Bluey I did just watch my first episode in preparation for this episode but for people who haven't seen it just describe the the backdrop for us so
0: yeah so bluey is a show about a apparently suburban vaguely middle class upper middle class (laughs) family of blue healer dogs living in Australia, doing the things that, that families do. They go to school, they go to work, they play. A lot of what every episode is, is about the sort of uh, bizarre, inventive, vaguely sadistic games that the, the two children, Bluey and Bingo, invent to have their parents uh, participate in. Um, so there's a lot of game-based controlling of, of parents uh, throughout the show.
2: And super short, right? Eight minutes ish. Yeah.
0: Because of how short the episodes are, it does something that is something I kind of associate with contemporary half-hour dramedy shows, which is that it can create these episode-long ecosystems that play out according to the confines of that episode and not a sort of pre-written or or pre-decided formula, right? Every Doc McSuffins episode is the same, right? There's a toy, it's broken, Doc diagnoses it and fixes Mm -hmm. it, right? Every episode is the same. For Bluey, there are a lot of these kind of uh, almost all of the episodes are kind of capsule episodes. And I think one of the things that, as an adult, it's easy to get drawn into is just the sort of elegance of how these individual short episodes are constructed, right? You don't always know where they're going. You're not always sure what the sort of end point of these episodes is. And there's a kind of, uh, like, surprise sometimes, but also just a, a, like, formal satisfaction at the way that these episodes introduce something, you know, unusual within the space of the show and then resolve it or, or take it somewhere um, by the end.
3: So in your article, you write that Bluey um, stands out for you because there are all these phenomenal observations about, quote, not just parenting, but contemporary masculinity, the (laughs) dynamics of marital (laughs) arguments or squabbles uh, about labor distribution in modern marriages, about the social stigma of working mothers and the beatification of caregiving fathers, about things you didn't think Disney Junior was going to tell you anything new about. That is... (laughs) rather impressive. But I have to say, I feel like, (laughs) don't you think kids TV has been heading in this direction for a while? Like, for years, I felt like there's been so much humor hidden in there for parents and so much stuff, you know, from, like, the Shrek movies to, Mm -hmm. you know, the Powderpuff Girls and even Rugrats.
0: Absolutely. This movement of having kids TV sort of acknowledge parents, uh, as, as co-viewers or people in the room, you know, has been around for a long time. And it sort of really started to crest with, with, like you're saying, Shrek and, and the way that Pixar movies have these sort of uh, cultural rap, pop cultural references or, or winks of acknowledgement to parents. And the thing that I think is interesting about a show like Bluey is that it's got all of that stuff, right? It's got these winks and these little nods to parents, but it also makes the drama of parents lives uh the sort of the drama of the show itself right um i think in in ways that were kind of surprising to me honestly as i started to think about it and watch back through episodes marital arguments um distribution of of household labor right these are often the topic of the of the episode yeah. right not just a thing that's happening in the background or not just a sort of nod or a wink from the from the show but what you know what bluey and bingo the kids are dealing with is living in a space where um they get to see their parents work these things out every day and 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 triumph and fail uh, at in very various degrees
2: well Uh, done phil yeah
0: (laughs) i I know it's a (laughs) tie-in
2: it's really cool it's like three-dimensionalizing the 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 universe for us unlike daniel tiger which i love mom and dad tiger are just like so fucking saccharine (laughs) um but i they're they're great they're great parents but like we don't know anything about them you know (laughs) the thing that struck me and you know i've seen one episode so far they're earnest but they're not saccharine we see how fallible they are and how you know you can't say they're human because they're dogs but they're whatever that word they would be. are
4: definitely i mean the episode i think it's takeaway where they're going to get food uh, <laughs> and it's just dad and the two kids and it is like any outing you've ever taken to cranky you know one <laughs> needs to pee one needs water the takeout order is not right there's like some kind of faucet on the street they're all playing with and like Every, you know, dad does not do the right thing every time. He does right. the right thing like a handful of times, but he makes a bunch of wrong, <laughs> wrong choices right. too, right? It just makes for a very lighthearted but real show. Like, I- I'm not even joking that I-, I tear up a bunch because I feel seen <laughs> by <laughs> these blue dogs. <laughs>
0: There's a um the Daniel Tiger example is a really good one, I think, because and I've written about this before, um, where, you know, there's this phenomenon that I think a lot of parents do where they watch shows like Daniel Tiger or or whatever, and you start to like read into things and you you like spiral out and you think like you know, you think about like how the fire department works in Paw Patrol or thing, you know, like just kind of goofy things like that. And I remember watching Daniel Tiger, um, with, with my older daughter when she was younger and, in moments where Daniel Tiger is like being a, being a brat or something and you, as a parent you're watching and you you're watching Daniel Tiger's dad and he, you're thinking like, is he pissed off? He looks like he might be pissed off, but of course he's not right in the context of the show. He's not right. mad. He's not impatient. And I think one of, but you're reading that in like you, as a parent, you have to be like, well, you know, if I was talking to Daniel Stripe and Tiger, we could talk about the way Daniel is sometimes. Um, But, with Bluey, the 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 sort of liberating thing about watching Bluey in this context is, you know, Bandit is pissed off, right? And you can see it. He's rolling his eyes. You know, the parents are exchanging looks. Like the stuff that we used to have to read on to these these like little kids shows are just part of the text of the of these shows, right? We get to see them react the way that we would react in a in a in a situation, and and that's you know, it's not revolutionary, but it's it's relatively rare in this this kind of TV, I think.
3: How do your kids react to this? Do they do they you know when they're they're obviously enthusiastic about the show, but do they talk about the parents? I mean, I don't expect them to be like, wow, there's some really great <laughs> social political commentary going on here with your folks. <laughs> but I wonder, are they dialed into the fact that the parents are different here than they are on most of the shows they've been watching?
0: I think it comes out in a couple of different ways. One of the ways is that I think that the, you know, the parents on Bluey are are like regular parents right so i I think to them it isn't a huge um it's different from other shows they watch Mm -hmm. but it's not different from like life Mm -hmm. right um and the other thing i think is that you know one of the sort of tricks and this is for the kids i think that bluey does is that it provides these really like ordinary type parents but it also creates a, a sort of narrative universe in which they are always willing to do what their kids want to do, right? Yeah. That, I think, is like the trade-off, right? Which is that you get to see these parents who roll their eyes sometimes or get frustrated sometimes, but they are always committed to the bit, no matter what game they're playing. That comes out of the show, right? We have to play all of the games yeah. that are on Bluey. We play Veranda Santa. We play Born Yesterday, which is the absolute worst. It's it's from the new season. It's it's uh, You have to pretend like you don't. You've never seen seen anything and you ask what's that or what's that orb in the sky and it's just maddening but we we play all of these games it's yeah it's fun for 30 seconds but it goes on when it when you hit the eight minute mark i think yeah you know you want the credits to roll (laughs)
4: in in defense mom comes up with a lot of games and so so does so does dad where they get to lay still So, yeah. so the show is also offering, uh, they play Whale Watch, and Dad is the boat, and Mom is the whale, and Dad's yeah. like, we're at the whale, and Mom's like, you are not. <laughs> you have to sail uh, we, though, spend a lot of time, Shadowland is a is a favorite, right. um, where they cha- you have to get from one place to the other, only on shadows, and then Grannies is what has hit home here. Like, <laughs> like these yep. two characters, they pretend to be that are old ladies, and they have have to get on a bus and do all these things, but they're very slow. Um, I think that's the thing is that they see these parents being super willing to participate. Yeah. And that's what kids think is fun.
0: Yeah, always available, always um, willing to uh, show affection for their kids. Um, and I, I think that's what sort of ties it all up.
4: And and they apologize a lot. That's another thing right. I noticed because um, we talk about that a lot on the show, like just the ability that parents don't have to do it right all the time, but when we don't do it right, we can apologize. And it's a great model for that. They apologize in really loving, wonderful ways that just seem so natural.
0: The show takes conversations between parents really seriously, right? Whether they're just like little gestures of intimacy or whether they're, you know, quote unquote squabbles or whether, you know, is the case of fit, the facey talk episode, like an actual fight. Um, it takes their relationships really seriously and i think you know the other thing to say is that it takes the relationship between parents and kids really seriously um and that translation and i think you're right the the parents routinely apologizing when they you know uh do anything that they they regret or feel was you know over the line or you know act too frustrated or something like that it it's a show where the parents on the show take seriously that their kids are people Right. And, and so they understand if they've hurt their feelings or they understand if they have uh, ignored them or, or, or scared them in, in some way and acknowledge that. And I, I think you're right. It's a good model, but it's also just a, a really compelling like narrative ecosystem where these people are people to each other, whether they're parents or kids.
2: I think that's a great place to leave it. I am going to watch more of this tonight with Noah. Phil, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us and for your, your thoughtful piece. We're going to link to it in uh, our show notes but where can people find you otherwise are you a twitter person
0: i'm a twitter person i'm at pj macyak uh on on twitter and uh i write pretty regularly for Slate and for the la review of books
2: awesome hey do you want to stick around for the next segment and recommend a piece of culture
0: oh this is it would be such an honor yes
2: fantastic okay we'll be right back with recommendations
1: Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby-winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host Ryan, we help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, climate change, and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox, and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Okay, it's time for recommendations. We still have our special guest, Phil Masiek, with us. Phil, you consume uh, more TV than probably anyone I've ever met because you get paid to do it. Uh, do you have? And you don't have to recommend TV, but what what would you like to recommend today?
0: So I, I, in the hopes that I would be invited to offer a recommendation at the end of Mom mm-hmm. and Dad are Fighting, I came prepared. Um, so this is, it's kind of a dual recommendation. And it, it took place over the course of the pandemic. At the beginning of the pandemic, we got a subscription to our local newspaper, um, which is the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We live in St. Louis. Um, and at that time, um, my daughter, uh, my eldest daughter, Maeve was, was in pre-K, she was just starting to, to learn how to read. And what we started doing at the beginning of the pandemic is that we would read the comics together, the newspaper mm-hmm. comics, uh, the syndicated ones. So um, she really likes Pickles, which is about an elderly couple. Um, she really likes Sally Fourth, which is about like, middle-aged parents. Um, she likes um, Baby Blues, which is about parents of a little baby. Um, and we read it, and we read it every day, and I would read it with her, and we would like work through it. And over the course of the the pandemic, it happened almost imperceptibly to me. She like learned how to read and now just reads the comics every morning. Like it's just a regular thing. She if we forget to bring in the paper, she asks me to go out and get it for her. She stays up on Sally Forth. She that's stays so up cool. on, on things like that. And it's just it's it's both really useful for the kids and really fun. And she gets invested in the little story arcs. And I get to, you know, do something I haven't done in a really long time. So uh, newspaper comics. That's my recommendation.
2: Amazing. I love that's this. So cool.
4: So I'm recommending some geography-based learning stuff. The first is a app for kids called Stack the States. It's available on both Google Play and Apple. And this fun little game um, has you... Um, it- you're going to learn like state capitals, but also little facts about the states, the United States and where they fit in the country. And you get to see if you can stack the states that you have guessed correctly in a tower and get it to balance, which is kind of fun. And um, I have been amazed how much even the five-year-old has just learned from this. Like uh, a lot of the little landmarks are going to be national parks and and things like that, but we're always trying to give them kind of a sense of the, the larger world. There is also a um, stack the countries, but we started with stack the states because we were so into, license plates um this summer so this was a good little segue and then i was thinking like okay well what can i do to brush up on some geography as well and found this little online game called global and it's sort of i think inspired by wordle but basically you uh, are presented with the world and you type in a country and it tells you if you're hot or cold and you keep trying to guess countries until you guess the country of the day. So um, uh, it's a little (laughs) geography lesson. I was really stumped yesterday because we were in the Caribbean and I, one, don't know the countries there. And two, even after I got out the map, was like trying to figure out what to type in like because a bunch of them you know are like former colonies and like so does that count as france anyway it took me like 14 guesses yesterday but it is a really great way to just hone in some of your geography skills and it's fun and the kids can play too and that's just online and we will link to both of those of course in the show notes
2: solid jamila what do you got
3: so I'm, at this point in my life, I would call myself a social drinker, you know, I, I keep little booze in the house, but I very rarely drink it, um, so I really only drink when I go out, and you know, I can't party like I once did. I've found that, you know, two cocktails is usually fine. Three could be fine. But, you know, it doesn't take too much for me to feel a little bubbly these days and which is fine in the moment. But then there's always the matter of the next day. You know, Um, the times that I've made it to three or four drinks usually have not fared so great for me in the morning. Hmm. And I was in Atlanta this weekend for a conference and I went to a party with one of my friends, a couple of my friends from college we went to brunch we went to a day party we we're at the day party we were like literally like six to eleven o'clock we partied and we drank all day and I was so afraid I was like oh my god I'm flying back home the next day I have a meeting in the morning you know I haven't done this in years and my girl gave me uh something called cheers hydrate which is like an electrolyte powder mixture that is supposed to help you the next day after drinking. And sure enough, after drinking vodka, of all things, four hours, one scoop of this powder and some water. um, And the next morning I woke up and I was like 97% fine. Are you serious? I, yeah. Wait,
2: so you took it the night before? I took
3: it the night before
2: wow it's a miracle it's
3: a miracle i'm recommending it very strongly cheers hydrate powder yes if you want to have a couple of drinks if you don't do it like you used to you will be back it would be a perfect sponsor they would be a great sponsor like are you drinking (laughs) after 30 um do you have children that wake up at six regardless of how late you were regardless of what you were doing (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah oh this is great
3: i'm a f- <laughs> really I really helpful my, thank you i ordered a jar of it for myself immediately <laughs> i love this
2: sweet um okay my recommendation is the music of local detroit troubadour joe Riley. we saw him live in detroit this week at a at a children's festival he does like environmental kind of nature go outside um get off your iPad songs, but not in a didactic way. It's really clever and funny. Um, He integrates a lot of kind of rapping into his folk songs. And Noah was just transfixed. This was, this may have been like her first proper concert. And she was singing along and has since been like asking to listen to one of his songs in particular called Turkey Vulture. Um, before going to bed, and this morning on the way to camp, she freestyled in the kind of mode of Joe Riley the whole time. It's so great. We return to this notion a lot of trying to get um, our kids to listen to to good stuff rather than lame kid stuff. And Joe <laughs> Riley is great, similar to Bluey, great for kids and adults. <laughs> Check him out.
4: He's playing at the Grand Rapids Public Library. Cool. Oh yeah, I he's don't know all around. Why that makes me love him even
2: more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's wonderful. Uh, That's it for our show. We'll be back in your feeds on Thursday, so be sure to tune in. While you're at it, please subscribe to the show and give us a rating interview on Apple or Spotify. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Christy Taiwamec and Anna Phillips, and Rosemary Belson. For Jamila Lemieux and Elizabeth Newcamp. I'm Zach Rosen. Thanks for listening.